excited for tonight. Come on, amen. You know why? Because God's here. He is. Two or three gather. What did he promise us? Thank you. Yes, he would be there with us. So good. You know, I'm excited for the, uh, for the three-week discipleship course that uh, me and another guy from out at Morayfield are running uh, starting this Thursday night, 25th of Feb. Go to emerchurch.life and uh, check out the Promises of God tab. And I'm excited, something in Morayfield for that region, but you are still welcome. You can come on out, bring someone, maybe you know someone in the local area and uh, bring them along. There's, it's going to be a two-part, 40-minute uh, like sort of workshop lecture style, have a 10, 15 minute little little break with some antipasti and tea, coffee and bickies and then another 40 minutes. It's just like being at uni. It's gonna be awesome. And uh, promises of God, how to hear them, how to get them, how to hold on to them and then how to enact them out. There's no point having a promise of God if you don't use it. Amen? There we are, a little plug for Morrowfield workshop. So... Uh, so you guys thought you were getting uh, Pastor Neil Smith tonight, right? Well, yours truly is here instead. So uh, come on. They, we didn't want to fly off any diseased people from Victoria and uh, have to pay for two weeks of quarantine, not in the budget. And uh, that's right, I have a little bit more hair than him anyway. So he's a very cool guy though, Pastor Neil Smith. I went to uh, Planet Shakers a couple of years ago and uh, just at RNA, who, who was there? There's quite a few of us that went there to that one. Yes, yes. It was awesome. He, his was my favorite session. He, he is an, a phenomenal man of God, what he is doing. So anyway, it's enough about him. Is he what? Oh, is he? If you're watching, Pastor Neil, you're probably not, but that's right. Shout out to you anyway, and uh, we're looking forward to you on the, the 7th. It's going to be great to have Pastor Neil Smith with us then. Is... Is Josh here tonight? Shout out for my mate Josh. Where is he? Uh, he would know if it's him. Middle part, brown, very closely, zero shaven on the sides. Nope. Oh, well. I tried. I met him on Friday night at Red Frogs. He said he was coming. He is not. That's all right. I'll get him next Friday. Yes. All right. You know what? It's right. Have a bit of fun in church. God made fun, made you with a mouth to smile. Yes, it's the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on. You know what? what, what think about this. Think about this. My title tonight, what are you waiting for? I just realized I preached a message here uh, last Sunday morning called What Do You Want? I like the word what, apparently. Anyways, what are you waiting for? You know, what, ask yourself that question right now. What are you, wait, what's the, what are you waiting for? What's the, or what's the thing that you hate the most to wait for? Food, yep. Sitting there tapping that 30-second countdown timer on the microwave. It cannot go quick enough, can it? Honestly, like, why can't they have induction microwaves? Seriously, they have induction stoves, like boil. Okay, it's boiling. It's like they should have a microwave that's induction technology. That would be very cool. So, or, you know, what's something you don't like waiting for? None of us really like waiting for stuff, do we? I don't like waiting for my birthday, but I have to. It only happens once a year. We don't really like waiting for stuff. I didn't like having to wait to tell Yvonne I liked her. 
But I had two, because apparently I was going to scare her away. I'm a scary guy. <laughs> so uh, I waited for two years, and then I was like, I can't hold it in any longer. So I uh, threw up on her front lawn and destroyed a whole entire patch. It was the food poisoning, all right? I'm not a nervous guy. And uh, then I, I told her I liked her and asked her if I could hug her, and she said no. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was the start of this. But, um, you know... Gents, no doesn't always mean no, all right? It generally does, all right? But uh, you have to wait for it to become a yes, but you can ask again or more than once or twice. (laughs) Yvonne actually told me, Joe, um, this is, honestly, it's a bit of a cop out, in my opinion. So she said, Oh, my dad says it's okay, but my mum was like, No. So, so until it's a yes from my mum, it's a no from me. I'm like, oh, oh, All right. And uh, actively pushes me away for the next six months, unbeknownst to me. I was head over heels. Had no idea. She messages me six months later and apologizes for being so rude to me and for pushing me away. And I was like, What? <laughs> no idea. I was just like, You're the one. And uh, so, uh, anyways. I redirected all my attention at the mum, because that, that's what she said, until my mum says yes, it's a no. And honestly, my mother-in-law, probably, she, she's probably watching me tonight, I love you, and, uh, but she likes to think she's really strong, and you know, that she's, she's got it all together, and uh, honestly, one box of flowers. <laughs> oh my God, it was too easy. Kiki K though, A3 Kiki K box, 12 Colombian roses, rock on up, pop that bad boy box to the mum, boom, she she couldn't help it. She was smiling from ear to ear, and uh, she knew that I was then the one, so uh, yes. Anyways, clear, how are you doing? Very good, listening, taking notes on the phone, good to see, that's very good. All right, you know what, I know people hate waiting when they're dealing with me, is the walk. So I was like, oh, I need to talk to you in my office. <laughs> yeah, that is, you got to get on that one, Pastor Jason. It, you just say, oh, I need to check into my office, and then you just be silent. And then there's the walk, <laughs> like from the auditorium all the way through to the office, invite them to sit down, shut the door, flick the blinds so they're open, Man, the walk. I reckon people hate the walk. Waiting for me to tell her why I've invited him into my office. And then I'm like, hey, I'd love you to run a life group. And, uh, and, they're, like, and they're just like, oh, it's so good. People hate waiting to find out stuff. Isn't that true? People hate waiting to find out stuff. You know, I remember putting Pastor Mark through this when he offered me the position to be youth pastor. Three and a half months I made him wait. And, and he's Dutch. And uh, so the carrots, the carrots just got bigger. And, uh, you know, if you're in a corporate world, that would be a really smart tactical move to, like, make the boss wait until you say yes. And that was not what I was doing. Like, I was seeking the Lord to make sure that I was going to walk into my calling. You know, a need, my friends, does not constitute a calling. There's lots of needs out there. It doesn't mean that's your calling. So uh, you do need to wait upon the Lord to find out what your calling is. But uh, I did eventually tell him yes, which is very exciting for him. 
And uh, it's very exciting for me too. It's all right, I'm all right. I do enjoy what I do. But, uh, you know, recently though, I, um, Pastor Mark was away on holidays with the family because, you know, his firstborn was getting married up in Noosa. And uh, I, I messaged Jacinta. I'm like, hey, Cinti. Uh, that's her nickname. Hey, Cinti, um, if you didn't know. Uh, can you book me in for a lunch with Pastor Mark uh, next week when he's back? And, you know, so she did. And then I'm ringing Pastor Mark. And he's like, oh, so, 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 so what do you want to catch up about, like, next week? And I'm like, oh, I did some stuff. Yeah, I have some lunch together. And then you know, he, t- he talks about something else. He's like, oh, so is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, going great. Good days. You know, got lots on, but busy, but good. He's like, oh, that's good, 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 good. So, so everything's okay? And... Uh, <laughs> I realized then, because I must confess, Pastor Mark, I actually wasn't wanting to tell you, even though it was really good news, I wasn't actually wanting to tell you because you're on holiday and I didn't want you to have to think about work while you're on your holiday. But then I realized, oh, this is frustrating and annoying him. So I'm sorry for not just telling you what I wanted to, uh, to talk to you about. You know, Jesus said to wait, said to go and wait in the upper room. He did not say to stay. He said, go and wait until I send you the power from on high, the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. He will come. He will empower you. He will fill you. You will speak in a new heavenly language. You will have the boldness to go and do what I've asked you to do. He did not say, stay. He said, wait, then go. Come on, our generation needs us, don't they? Come on, our generation needs us to get up, to stand up and to step out and to start to tell the world about him. They're never gonna know about him if we don't tell them because they're not talking about him. I mean, they use his name a lot, but not in the way that they should be. They wanna cry out to him, not curse with him. They need you and I to start to stand up and to go out into our generation. And so I wanna preach a message to you tonight. What? are you waiting for? Let me pray. Thank you, Lord God. We thank you so much, God, that your, your word is alive, it's active, it is good for us. Lord, tonight I pray it would inspire us to do what you have called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said? Amen. 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 Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. It'll be up on the screen. You can follow along with me. It says this, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. There's the news about his cousin, John had, uh... but the crowds heard where he was headed and uh, followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. It's almost like they were trying to let Jesus know that they were caring for the crowd, you know, thinking about them. But Jesus said, very interesting statement, that isn't necessary. You feed them. <laughs> oh man, this is good. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Bring them here, he said. And then he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, 
The disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers, because there was 12 of them, it's obvious. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. So if you multiply it by two and a half children, the average of the then uh, Australian, (laughs) Israeli family, it's probably not true, it's probably like eight or something. That's a lot of people. Like we're talking tens of thousands of people fed. This is a cool miracle. I mean, like, have you ever tried to multiply food? Come on, we've all tried to walk on water. Hands up if you tried to walk on water. Let's get a little bit active. I won't be boring if you won't. Have you ever tried to multiply food? If you haven't, you should start. And you let me know when it happens for you. It it does happen. It actually does happen. It's not just in the Bible. It happens. There are miracles all around the world where God is literally able to pull things out of nothing. Stones into bread, leaves into money. How cool is that one? Like they say money doesn't grow on trees. When I was in Mexico with a missionary over there, he was telling me of this story of these loan sharks that would lend money to these people that didn't have enough money, obviously, because they're loaning to them. But like absorbent interest rates, like 50% interest rates. Like, you know, you think about that though, like what dire situation you would need to be in to even think about taking a loan from someone like that. And this is Mexico, like Mexico, not Australia, Mexico. Like they don't hide their guns like we do. Like I don't have a gun, but I'm sure the Australians that do have guns hide their guns locked up in safes with licenses and certified use and stuff like that. But Mexico, man, they are out here and here. And this is crazy stuff. Like, this is how crazy it was getting over in Mexico when I was over there. They had these, the missionaries had these trucks and they were, they were a Dodge Ram 2500 all the way up to like the Dodge Ram 6000. They were awesome. Anyways, the, these crazy bad people like bad, bad, evil people made their trucks look like the missionaries' trucks and would rock on in to towns and drop the tailgate. The people would come out thinking that they were going to be given aid and then bad stuff would happen to them. And then they'd walk around and go, oh, you have that machine? Right, you pay us this much next time or that will happen again. Like this, it's a crazy place. And so anyways, this missionary guy was... uh, was telling me this story where this guy came and said, Pastor, I've got into a situation that I, that I, I can't get out of. You know, I've borrowed money and he's gonna kill me. I'm sure of it. And so the missionary gave him the money. He's a good guy. Gave him the money to go and pay the loan shark. Well, it happened a second time. And the pastor's like, well, I'm not gonna give you money this time. But what we are gonna do is we're gonna pray. We're going to ask God to provide for you a miracle. So they went home and they were praying and beseeching heaven as you would if you're probably not going to exist for much longer. And uh, this guy is sweeping his backyard like with a stick broom and he's sweeping all these leaves in. Literally those leaves turned into a pile of money. Calls the pastor over, pastor's like, oh, it's unbelievable. Praise God, like he's excited that leaves turn into money. And so they're scooping all this money up and then the pastor takes this guy to the loan shark, walks in, puts this wad of cash down on the desk. He says, don't you ever loan to my man again. Oh, don't you ever loan to my man again. And then he said, he said, now, if these leaves, I mean, if this money 
turns back into leaves when I walk out. That's, that's on you, not on me. Do you agree? There's money right now. Anyways, pastor, missionary, and the guy walked back out of the office and uh, they never saw him again. How cool is that? That's a miracle because our God can do miracles, amen? You know, this particular miracle is the only miracle that is stated in all four Gospels. That's saying something, if you ask me. The feeding the multitudes, two separate miracles. There's a feeding of the 4,000 and a feeding of the 5,000. But this first one, the feeding of the 5,000, is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. That tells me that it made an impact on the disciples. That it showed them a lot. That it was something that they wanted to get into their Gospel, their version. It was something that they wanted to drive home to you and I, because this is the inspired Word of God. So let's have a look at what happened. The first thing that happens in this that jumped out to me this time I read it, was that Jesus had compassion on them and healed their sick. Compassion is the first step of seeing a move of God. If you want to see a move of God, start to have compassion for the people around you. No, not, not just, you know, not, not, you know, reducing or discarding the things that you're going through or discounting other stuff in your life. Because what Jesus was going through was real. Like he wanted to go away to be alone. That's the, the king of all kings. But he had compassion in this moment as he stepped out and he saw the people. What do you see when you go to work on Monday? And does that move you with compassion? When you get out of your Sunday boat and you get into your Monday shoes and you rock those Monday undies and you get to your workplace, it's a thing, Mondays, Tuesday, undies, probably a tradie thing. I'll stop there. I was going to say something really mean about tradies. Like my brother-in-law is an awesome tradie. So that's why I said, yes, you should be my real brother, not just a brother. Come on. Amen. You get it. Come on. Think about it. When you step out of the boat, does it move you with compassion? Does the crowd move you with compassion? Are you moved on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Are you moved with compassion when you see the crowd? Or are you so consumed in your own life about your own issues or your own worries or about the own th- your own things going wrong that you are missing an opportunity to see a move of God? Compassion is the first step. Compassion also creates opportunities. Because once you start to feel a little bit of compassion for the people around you, it will create an opportunity. Jesus loves people. He loves people. And he then, ex- he then expands on this with the disciples. They come to him w- with almost sort of like a sense of compassion. Master, it's late. There's a massive crowd here. Like, we need to send them away. So they can go in and buy some food and look after themselves. But Jesus replies, you feed them. You feed them. Think about if Jesus told you to do something like that. 
to do something that you could not do on your own. So I think Jesus is telling that, telling that to us all the time. That's when we'll see miracles. That's when we'll see things happen. That's when we'll see God come from heaven and invade earth. When we hear the cry of the crowd, we listen to Jesus who is saying, you feed them. Don't send them away when they come to you or they walk past you. They might not even want to talk to you. But as you are moved with compassion, Jesus is saying to us, the church, you feed them. Don't send them away to get their answers somewhere else. You feed them. Matthew 14, verse 17. I'm going to give you the response of the disciples from each of the four Gospels. The first one in Matthew 14, 17, it says this, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it wasn't even their bread and fish anyway. So it's like, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Well, it's not yours. We know from another one, it's a little boy's lunch that you are trying to steal and claim it for yourself. No wonder you wanted to send the crowd away. It's like a little piece for you, a little piece for you, a little piece for me. Like, Jesus, it'll get us through. Maybe we can pretend we're fasting for the night. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. What do you say when God asks you to do something that you can't do? But Lord, I'm only me. I've only got a little bit of money. I've only got a little bit of time. I've only got a little bit of resource. I've got so much going on in my own world, Jesus. I don't know if this is the right time for me. God, do you realize that I only have this much? I think God, if it was me, I'd, I'd be like, so what? But I think God would be like, and? It's a lot more godly. This is my anchor thought for my preach night. Don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. Because you serve a God that can take a little bit of what you have and multiply to see a miracle come to the people around you, amen? Come on, don't look at what you don't have. Look at who he is. What did Jesus do? He lifted his eyes toward heaven. Remember, he became fully human when he took on the flesh and form of you and I, he was fully human. He looked towards heaven and he blessed them and then he broke it up and started to hand it around. Look at what he has. Look at who he is. Look at what he has done. Look at what he can do in you and through you. Not about what little you have, but Lord, I only have. Come on, you serve a God that's so much bigger than that. Even if you have just a little bit, Just a little bit. He can use it. Even if you have nothing. God can still use your nothing to bring something into life. Check out Mark chapter 6, verse 38. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported. We have, yeah, they're claiming it again, Honestly, these guys. 
we have five loaves of bread and two fish. I want to ask you, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. Go and find out what you actually have. Because maybe you've got a whole lot more than what you realize. Maybe the fact that you live in Australia, you're already in the top 5%. And if you drove a car here, you're in the top 2%. Come on, Pastor Shane Willard has given us so much more information than that about all the things that make us in the top 1% almost, if you've got two cars. But oh, I only have. I want to ask you, what do you have that Jesus can use to perform a miracle? Because all it took them was five loaves of bread and two fish. What can you bring to the table? What can you give to Jesus to multiply, to be able to feed the people around us that are dying of starvation, that are literally on a trajectory to hell because they don't have the source of life that you and I have? So what do you have? Take stock of what you have, then you won't worry about what you don't have. So often we focus on all the things that we'd like to have and we wanna live in that season of our life and get to that season now. And God is saying, how about you just worry about today and use what I've already given you to use? Could it simply be a yes? Could it simply just be, yes, Lord, use me. So look at Luke 9, verse 13. But Jesus said, you feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Check this out, a little bit more info. This is why it's good to read the Bible. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? That's a bit of sass if you ask me. It's probably Peter. Maybe Thomas, who's a, you know, the doubter. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? What are you expecting? What do you wake up expecting? What do you go to work expecting? What, what, what expectation are you living with? And if you're not living with an expectancy of every day that there is, there is a possibility to God, if, I'm, if I say my yes to you and I recognize what I have from you, that I could step out of my boat and I could be moved with some compassion and I'm gonna expect a miracle to happen. Maybe you've stopped expecting Maybe you're like the disciples in this moment in your journey. Well, I encourage you, don't stay in that moment. Maybe you've lost your expectancy of what God can do. Maybe your faith has been rattled a little bit. Maybe you need to rebuild your trust in who your God really is and start to expect again. He's like, what are you, are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? Like, Jesus, seriously? You're expecting us to feed the whole crowd? Yes. The answer is yes. You and I have been sent. They don't know. They don't know what to expect. We've got to show them. 
what to expect when they come into a relationship with the living God. Amen? Come on, John, the last one. John chapter 6, verse 8 to 9. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? (laughs) Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. (laughs) Clearly it runs in the family. (laughs) I mean, you know the the saying, it's like, there's always one in every family. Well, these guys had two. You probably, who, who is it in your family? Like, who is that one, you know? Come on. Like, I know my family. I'm a, I'll confess, it's me. It's like my parents all the time when I was a young adult, I don't even know if they'd remember this, but all the time we'd have people come over to our home and we'd have meal and stuff like that. And, you know, they'd get talking about all the kids and, you know, Luke first and then Joe and, uh, well, we don't know where he came from. <laughs> it's like, it's like, Seriously, well, 23 chromosomes came from you, Dad, and 23 chromosomes came from you, Mum, so both of you combined <laughs> produce this. Come on. You know, in, in my defence, <laughs> like they, they did try and have another one like me. Nine more tries, gave up. <laughs> I am unique, uniquely created, amen? Come on, come on. I mean, for this guy, wrong question. <laughs> like, he should have, you know, learned a thing or two from his brother. <laughs> Don't ask Jesus dumb questions. Like, but what good is that? As if to say, well, Jesus, you can't do even what you're telling us to do with just this little bit. What good is that? Like, five lows and two fish, Jesus told us to go and find out what we had and well, we told this little boy that's now ours and uh, we've got five loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Come on, look at what Jesus did. Look at who you serve. Look at what you could achieve tomorrow. Look at what you could go out into the world around you. Come on, youth group, look at what you could do on a Friday night with a Jesus like this. Come on, young adults. Families, come on, look at what you could achieve in your life with a God that can take just a little bit and multiply it exponentially. That is awesome. What good is that? Are we limiting what God can do with what he's already given us? Come on, now is the time. Now is the time to go. Now is the time. Why wait until you're ready? You will never be ready. You will never be ready for the season that you are desiring for because God doesn't want you to be ready. You can be ready enough. But if you're ready in all your own strength and your own ability and you've got the factory where they can make all the bread and you've got the other business where they can make all the fishies, you don't need God. Come on, we need to do things where we need God in our life. God can use us now. He just needs you to say yes. Oh, Lord, but first. Come on, we know what Jesus says about that, the cost. Luke chapter nine, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. but The son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first, 
Let me return home and bury my father. Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And others said, Lord, yes, I will follow you. But first, uh, let me say my goodbyes to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. No, no but first, now. God is saying now. God is saying, I've already given you what I needed to give you to do what I've called you to do. Come on, you don't need another word from God. You've already got a word of God and it's alive and it's active and it tells us what to do with the time that he has left us with. Come on, what are you waiting for? Do you need another great commission just for you? Do you need Jesus to die on the cross again just to remove the sins on your life so that you feel fresh enough and free enough to do what God has called you to do? What are you waiting for? We limit and lower and diminish the big God that we serve to the world around us when we live with an attitude like this. Maybe tonight we need an attitude adjustment. When I was a teenager, I had an attitude Man, I found rules that didn't even exist. I found boundaries that were invisible to every other sibling. We used to love to play these video games just before dinner, after the homework and the bike riding and all the other crazy stuff that we did not do. And we were like playing Need for Speed or FIFA or whatever it was. And we were like, dinner's ready. And I just quickly finish this game and we'd like try and finish this game. And, uh, and then we would like, we would like, quick, you go in and just go a little bit slow though and then you go in. And because and then like if, we, if we'd like send all our siblings in just one by one, like the dad would think we're all coming to the dinner table. But sometimes like you would just get engrossed in that video game and you would hear those words you would not want to hear. Now. <laughs> Not when it's convenient for you, Joseph. I've already called everyone to the table so you can go to your room without dinner tonight. Yeah, you only do that once. <laughs> now. Maybe we need to adjust our attitude to our life. Here, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I will go. Have an attitude of I will go. Have an attitude of, Lord, here I am. Send me. Isaiah put it this way. I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to the people? Who will go for us? And he replied, I said, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. Wake up every morning and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Let me be the one to tell the world about you. Let me be the one to invite my boss again to come to church on Sunday. Lord, let me be the one to share about how awesome my weekend was. Come on, you've heard me say this before. Christians do not have Monday-itis. It is the best day for you and I because it's the only time you can say, hey, what'd you do in your weekend? And just because people are generally polite, they have to ask you in return, Oh, what did you do on your weekend? Well, have I got a story for you? Like Saturday, it was unbelievable. I don't even remember what I did Saturday. But Sunday, 
church in the morning vision. Sunday at Moray Fields, like over 100 people there, finally, praise God. And then like Sunday night, I got to preach, amen, amen. And uh, it was just fantastic. And uh, come on, Monday should be your favorite day as a Christian. What an awesome opportunity, Lord, here I am, send me. Come on, it says in Romans chapter 10, but how? How will they hear unless someone tells them? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet, the messengers who bring good news. So consider yourself sent. You have been sent to the world. And if it takes tonight to encourage you again that you are sent. You have been sent by God for this time. You were born. We are an Esther generation. Come on now. Our generation needs us. We are sent by God. You're here because you're meant to be here. You're here because He wants you to be here. Come on, start to think about the people that you're gonna tell about Jesus this week. Start to think about who will I pray for this week? Who will I give to this week? Who will I share with this week? Who will I heal? Who will I set free this week when I start to pray for them and lay hands on them and speak in the name of Jesus? Who am I gonna prophesy over this week? Start to be moved and start to go. Come on, you and I have been called to be the head and not the tail. That is the family that we're grafted into. That is the royalty that you and I carry. Can I get the band to come back up, please? Come on, I wanna tell you, you can do this. You can do it. God would not have chosen you if you couldn't do it. All it takes is just a little bit of you and a lot of your God. Just like the disciples we have Jesus. We are on the winning side. You and I are victorious because of what He has done. Come on, let's live a lifestyle of mustard seed faith. Just a little mustard seed. It's all Jesus said you need. Just a little tiny mustard seed. With just a little bit of oil. Just a little bit of flour. God supernaturally sustained the prophet Elijah and a widow and a son. Literally saved them from death by starvation. With just a little bit of water, he turned what was going to be a most embarrassing wedding into a moment where a miracle was performed. That was the first thing that Jesus did. With just a few fish and a few loaves, he saw a miracle unfold that would feed an entire crowd and give all the disciples a little doggy bag each, 12 baskets to take at home. Just a little bit of you and a lot of your God. Come on, whatever we give to God, when we surrender, He can take it and He can multiply it and He can perform a miracle that only He can. With just a little bit, God can do a lot. What God can do with a little bit is literally unbelievable. Come on, with a stick, He parted a Red Sea. With a stone, He slew a giant. With a shout, 
he saw the walls of an evil city come tumbling down. Come on, with just a little bit of spit. He saw a messianic, prophetic miracle happen when he put it on some blind man's eyes and those eyes became able to see. Come on, God can take just a little bit of us, a little bit of you into a miracle for the people around you. Come on, God took a little nail and drove it into His hands and redeem the entire world from all that would ever hold us and bind us and take us back. God can take little things and do extraordinary things when we say yes to Him. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet tonight as we come to a close. I wanna ask you why wait for what you don't have when you can simply step in to what He has? What are you waiting for? Why wait when He has already asked you to go to the world around you? Come on, you were born for a reason. You're in that workplace for a reason. Come on, you're in your family for a reason. You live on the street that you live on for a reason. You represent Jesus Christ, the King of all kings to the world around you. So what are you waiting for?